I love torturing my characters. And I think getting them to the the lowest point of their lives, they could only go up from there. And so as a as a reader, I love seeing them like crawl through that mud and bringing them up to the light. And as a writer, is seeing my characters develop to where I could put them at the lowest point and moving them forward and having them develop even if they're weak in the beginning, they're strong and you know self-assured and they're ready to kick ass. Excuse my language. <laughs> Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, <laughs> see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Award-winning author C.J. Warrant can't exist without coffee, chocolate, and a damn story brewing in her head. She was born an overseas army brat and a Korean-Italian household, but settled in the States at the ripe old age of five. With a long career in the beauty industry, a wonderful marriage to a great man, and three grown kids, her view of life is as such. Life is a journey, both good and bad, light and dark but she takes it all in and learns from every experience life has to offer. She captures those crazy moments and brings her passion to life. Welcome CJ to Steam Scenes. Thank you for having me. So, oh my gosh, so much there going on in that bio. So Korean Italian household, tell me about the fusion cooking. Oh, it is fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Kimchi pizza, um, just uh, all sorts of when you when when the families get together, it's just a mismatch of Italian and Korean cooking and it's it's just a wonderful spices and stuff like a whole bunch of crazy. <laughs> I would be in food heaven. It's like two of my favorite things to eat, Korean, Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm like I'll, I'll come over anytime you want to invite I'll come over. I'll You're be, welcome. I'll be there. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a question. What did you do in the beauty industry? I was, uh, I did uh, hair and makeup for many years, and oh, wow. uh, I was in the um, the wedding industry end of it for uh, several years, where um, I thoroughly enjoyed enjoy enjoyed that the happily ever after moments. That's really cool. So you were doing like hair and makeup for wedding for brides yeah. and. Oh my God! Bridesmaids, mothers, and mothers-in-law, and some aunties. Wow! <laughs> so, a fun fact: I have my New York State esthetician's license. Ooh. So, yeah, I started, <laughs> my career. Uh, my my writing career actually started when I got out of grad school. I was a beauty editor um, at a couple of magazines, and I did go back eventually and get an esthetician's license to learn yeah. a bit more. I and need a facial. <laughs> yeah, and I worked for a hot minute as a as an esthetician too. It was um, it was it was a strange it was a strange business. Most of the sure. business, but, sure. but I absolutely like, am a total product geek. Like I will, I could talk to you about products and ingredients all day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so how did you transition a career doing, you know, makeup artistry and hair artistry into writing? 
I was, I've always, I always wrote when I was a kid. I did, I loved poetry, haikus especially. Don't ask me to repeat one. It's been a while. But um, I was, I was really into it. And I think it was at seventh or eighth grade, I had my English teacher of all people, Mr. D, you know, God bless his soul. He encouraged me to write. He actually uh, took one of my poems and put it in a contest and actually won. With, oh, you know, wow. I had no idea. Um, I didn't win much, but it was just the idea of winning something. But that kind of put that on a back burner and kind of moved forward with my my the beauty industry aspects i love doing hair my barbies proved it bald barbies and all yep <laughs> and uh I, I don't know life just happened and i transitioned you know uh, my husband's like he saw one of my stories that i wrote a long time ago handwritten he's like why don't you do this you know you're not in the beauty industry anymore i got sick and i had to kind of take a step back right. and it's like you know, I know you like doing stuff like that. So I did. I took a plunge and I transitioned from doing hair into writing. Wow. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, doing that sort of beauty work, I mean, that's a lot on your, that's a very physical job. It's a lot on your feet. You Most know, um, it's, you know, depending on what you're doing, it's just, it's your, your hands are constantly going. There's a lot of carpal tunnel issues. My hairstylist just got surgery about a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. Back issues. Yep. Especially, yep. you know, I was in the hair industry in the eighties and nineties. So what we wore was like heels and, you know, mm -hmm. hard floors. I mean, it's, it takes, it took a toll on my, on my, on me. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, oh, I got to ask if you were working in the eighties, did you do the big hair? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Stylist, otherwise, <laughs> single-handedly blowing a hole in the ozone layer. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I had to ask that. <laughs> so, when you started writing, when your husband was like, "Pick up that pen or keyboard," and you started writing, were you writing romance? Like, did you just start right away with romance, or did you like sort of, you know, dip your toe in the ro in a different pond before you moved well, to romance? Actually, uh, I it, it was just kind of it just kind of happened. I actually had a dream um, of actually my first book, Forgetting Jane, and I had a dream of the scene in the hospital, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And it was it kept with me, wouldn't let me go. So I was telling my husband about it, and he's like, well, write it, you know, get on the get on the keyboard and get on the computer and start writing. So I did. I mean, it took a long time. And I kind of stepped away from that and wrote something else, you know what I mean? And and actually, I didn't know I was I what I wrote was not really technically romance. It was more like romantic suspense or suspense with some romance in it. Okay. So it was that was what my 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 virgin voice was uh, was I was writing. Did that become anything, or have you like tucked that away? The the Jane was the actual, the very first, the dream, the dream image. Yes. That was my first book I ever published. That other book. Uh, no, it's still under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Will it remain there or do you think you'll dig that out? No, maybe eventually when I have the guts to, but, um, I think, 
I, I did have taken bits and pieces of certain scenes and I used it in Jane, but otherwise, no. It's a carcass under the bed. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> where we have it's where we bury the bodies, folks. Yes, exactly. exactly. In my case, yes, most definitely. <laughs> okay, so Jane was sort of like you, you didn't realize you were writing romance or you didn't realize you were writing romantic suspense or it's okay. Did you write a steamy scene in that one or did you yes. sort of so, oh. But I still I didn't look at it as, you know, romance or if it was if it was uh, I, I thought it was romance, in all honesty. And uh, I actually pitched it to an agent or actually a publishing house. And they told me, um, CJ, that's like more romantic suspense. And I'm like, oh, because I just got into the into the business. You know, I'm still was still learning the process. So, yeah, it's like somebody else had to tell me what I was actually writing. So You know, it's really funny because I still don't quite understand the tropes. The tropes of just of the genre because there are so many. There are and a there's lot of more. There's more that comes, and depending on the subgenre, there's even more tropes that kind of adds to it too. Yeah, so maybe it's not necessarily I don't understand the tropes. Sometimes I don't. Maybe it's just I don't understand the genres and where the dividing line is. And is this romantic thriller? Is this romantic suspense? What makes it you know? And then there's like romantic sort of adventure but is that so is that like romantic suspense plus comedy like I don't you know it just seems like there's a lot that I don't I can't really put my finger on I don't quite get it in earlier years in the publishing in the publishing world it was very defined lines of you know you wrote romance you wrote historical you wrote paranormal right or straight up romance we wrote rom-com or straight up literature now there's so many especially with indie authors that's coming into you know that's been in the market and all that there's so many blurred lines between romantic thrillers dark romantic suspense romantic rom-com with suspense so it's it's the lines are blurred now yeah blurred. yeah because i'm trying to sort of wrap my head around what dark romance is and so is it bdsm is it bully is it all of the above like you know because it just seems like there, like dark romance spans like a, a huge like a whole bunch of different tropes and a whole b- bunch of different right. genres dark romance to me is certain taboos you know um like for example bullying um not getting not fully getting consent or um, dealing with uh, the taboo things, dealing with pedophilia, uh, not necessarily showing the act, but like what a, what a character goes through if that happens and how they transition um, from the dark side of their life into their light mm. um, or dealing with, you know, the, you know, the, the white slavery or, I don't want to use that word. That's a bad word to turn to it, but just human slavery and stuff like that. And, um, you know, touching on topics that are dark and people really don't really discuss it. um, That to me is what dark is or um, like with Jane for me is what my character went through going through getting beaten up and buried alive and having to survive that and going through that with amnesia. So that, and what the turmoil that goes through, that's a level of darkness that's in it. So I think it all depends on the care, on the author, what their, 
what their definition of dark is. Right. So what what kind of drew you to dark romance? I, I Yeah, okay, I'm going to back up a minute. Were you a romance reader? I am a romance reader, and um, I love uh, thrillers also. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so this is kind of like the blend of the two for right. you. Right. So, so, uh, so for dark romance, what what kind of dry, draws you to that darker side? I love torturing my characters, and I think getting them to the the lowest point of their lives, they could only go up from there. Mm. And so, as a as a reader, I love seeing them like crawl through that mud and bringing them up to the light and as a writer is seeing my characters develop to where I could put them at the lowest point and moving them forward and having them develop even if they're weak in the beginning they're strong and you know self-assured and they're ready to kick ass excuse my language no you oh please all language is welcome here um I'm going to be reading your steamy scene in a little bit. So, <laughs> and you know, the steamy scene you're going to be reading is is strictly contemporary male male contemporary romance, which is a lighter fare compared to what I normally write. <laughs> where do you okay? So, where do you get your ideas for? Because particularly with the dark stuff, like you're going into some dungeony places, you know. So, uh, so where do you get these ideas, and how do and how? I mean, do you, and, and how, what's the self-care like afterwards for you as the writer? Oh, that, and that's the thing. I, when you get in, for me, get into that dark moment and to write a scene as dark as it is, um, it, it, you know, it gets me, it gets me in that mindset and to pull me out of it. I write the lighter stuff like, uh, Luke, Max and Luke's sex scene. I, I kind of, that was the first sex scene I wrote for a uh, novella, first male male novella that I've ever written. And it just kind of, because I just finished a dark, um, a dark scene for a book uh, that's up and coming. And it worked. It just drew me out. I was much lighter and, you know, got me in a better headspace. So does this mean you're usually working two books at once? Two, two, three. I am so ADHD. (laughs) Wow. That's how wow. my process works. Yes. I've tried that. It's hard. It is, especially when it comes for me for editing. When I when I go into edit mode, then um I am strict strictly one book, get that book edited and finished. Right. But when I'm in uh and when I'm in a writing, sometimes, like I said, you know, I get in the mood in a in a scene and it is a little bit on the dark side. I have to pull myself out and I shift to a different, different book altogether and helps me level myself out. Wow. So, so where do these ideas come from? Are you pulling them? Are you like reading newspapers and sort of like pulling out bits or are these just springing from your imagination? It is, it, it came from, it could be anywhere. Um, Jane was from a, a actual dream. Right. Um, May, uh, Max and Luke was actually a prompt for a, an anthology. Oh, and yes, it was started off as an anthology, and it was much shorter. And um, and it was Max, who actually the character Max is what popped into my head. I was I was actually actually watching TV and listening to an audiobook at the same time, 
And then the brain goes, snap everything, I'm here, I'm maxed. And it just, and that the story just kind of, kind of threw from there, you know? Wow. Yeah. I love that you were watching TV and listening to an audio book at once and then devising your next, no, your, your next, well, this I'm is. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm crazy. I'm crazy when it comes to that. <laughs> That's awesome. My inspiration could come from anywhere. I mean, I've, uh, one of the books I've wrote, um, I was writing, we were in the car, my husband and I were riding in the car and I was a passenger. I was just like looking out the window and something caught my eye and I'm like, oh my God. And don't ask me what it was, but it started, it started something in my head. So. Wow. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So wh- what made you decide to try your hand at Mel Mel? Okay. So being in the hair business, I had a lot of uh, gay friends. Right. And um, the one of the things that they've, you know, I've heard like, you know, it's like, there's no gay romance out there. This is back in the eighties and early nineties. There were, but it was like underground more than anything else. And it was right. not like a real romance. Like you would pick up from, you know, Walmart or Kmart target or whatever. And, <clears throat> or even borders or, um, Barnes and Noble. So it's, you know, it's some more mainstream stuff. And I've always wanted to write it. And actually I wrote, for many years wrote like little tidbit scenes for uh gay room, you know, for male, male romance. And so when this opportunity came to do this anthology, this was, you know, this was a stepping stone for me to get into, into that genre. Right. Well, I know now it's a pretty big genre and it's read by, I believe majority women. Yes. I love, that's my main that's my main read or main audiobook that I listen to. Really? It's a male male romance. What draws yes. you to it? I'm sorry? What draws you to it? <clears throat> I think it's more of, you know, I guess at one point it was a little bit of taboo dealing with the romance and the sex scenes and just, just the imaginative aspects and for me being that I wasn't in the hair industry and a lot of friends that were um in the LGBTQA community um I wanted to see the romance and hear it Mm. and stuff so when it started coming about I was just like I devoured it every chance I got and I have some really favorite authors that I I I uh I follow and I I and I read their read their stuff Oh. And it's, it's a lot of it's true. There's some fantasy aspects of it, you know, be, you know, but I try to be as true to form when I write, especially the sex scenes. And know. Do you have like a, like reader, like male readers that you can bring this to and you can say, Hey, is this, is this accurate? Is this an accurate depiction? Well, I don't have male readers per se, okay. but I have male, uh, gay male friends that are, that are willing to give me advice and read the snippets and stuff. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And they're able to say, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that works or, or, or now I I think you've got that wrong or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. They they give me the advice that, um, that I would be looking for. And it's not just all about the sex scenes. Granted, it's very, very hot. Um, you know, it's just about the, the relationship they fall into and stuff. Like right. That really more or less interested in. Right. Of course. Just the sex just kind of goes with it. 
So you wrote your first like door wide open steamy scene uh, with your very first book with, with Jane. Yes. How was writing that first scene? Was it like what? Like it was like nothing, or were you like, oh crap, I've got to write the sex scene? Well, no, actually, I because I you know I wrote a, a, a prior, I wrote another book. It wasn't as the sex scenes weren't as elaborate or stuff like that. But um, I kind of took it and put myself in that situation, you know, with Jane and Elias. And I'm like, what would happen if this happens and it happened to me? So I took that into account and I'm like, whoo, it's getting hot in here. So it's like, I, it, it didn't take me long to fill it out. Let's just put it that way. It, it was, it was, um, very easy to do it. So for okay. the first sex scene, yeah. Okay. So, so, and, and now that you've probably written, I don't even know how many, um, you know, are, are you just completely, does it, you know, does your process change at all? Does it slow you down? Do you speed up, you know, or is it just like whatever, like, like writing any other scene in the book? It depends. It, it was depending on the scene and the characters in the book. So okay. um, with, with Max and Luke, this was like more of it's four days, let's hook up and, and then take up, they, they separate, right? It didn't end that way, but it, that's what was the theme of it in the beginning. So it was more of a hookup and everything else, all physical feelings and stuff until emotions started getting in the way. Whereas in Jane, I think it was more of a slow process. You're talking about a victim and uh, um, a cop and then their, their connections and how that process works for them. So I think it, it, for me, it was, it all depends on the scenario of the, uh, at the time of the, of the book. Okay. So to you, what makes a sex scene good? Let's see here. I think what makes a sex scene good is the, not only the, the emotions added to it, but I think also the um, the connection the two characters have mm. with it physically and emotionally. Um, but you know, sometimes emotions not doesn't get are aren't involved, and it's all physical. So, but just the physical of touching, the sensation, and the smell, the taste, and everything else, all included. I think that's that's very sexy and erotic to me. Okay. Cool. Um, so you, you read thrillers, you read romance. Why don't you just write a straight up thriller? Like, what is it about romance that that you love? The because I think life has everything, right? Mm-hmm. And and my latest book is more of a thriller. Dance of the Morning Cloak is more of a thriller. But the couple that's the the two people that's in there in the end are get together, but it wasn't it wasn't like focused on them. It's the growing of a, of emotions that I feel still needs in a thriller. I think that helps compound a relationship of emotions. So even if it's not necessarily romance, but even two people coming together like minded having that certain emotion, that certain collaboration that works. But for for a romance, I think it just adds to the storyline, you know, having, having the, you know, the dark 
with the light and the H, the happily ever after at the end, it gives, it gives, I think it gives a reader a solid ending. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, this is good. And you don't write sweet, right? Like you. I do. I have have two of them that are two novellas that are on the sweeter side, but not two twos. My, my one, my first sweet is, um, sweet reunion and it is it is more of a sweet there's not too much swear worrying and there's like i think one sex scene but it's like kind of glossed over you know and um but the second because it's a duet the second book which is the brother um it's a little bit a little bit darker still sweet but it has a little bit more grit to it that's the best way i could explain has more grit than smooth you know, it's more grit. Okay. Okay. Do you, I mean, do you enjoy writing the sweet or is it just not, you know, you would much rather have the wide open door and all of that? Yes. I would prefer the wide open door. Um, maybe not necessarily all the way open sometimes depending on the story. Right. But yeah, definitely wide open. I want my readers to get the full effect full full vantage point of the story full vantage point of the characters and what they go through not only day to day but in the bedroom also cool do you remember the very first romance book you read oh my god yes when i read that when i read that sentence and you said i'm like oh yes i my aunt god rest her soul and charlene was an avid harlequin subscriber and she had a gazillion books. And I think I was like maybe 13 at the time, 12, 13 at the time. And she says, do you want, do you want, want to read one of my books? Because I picked one of, it was on the counter or something. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, we could have that one. So she goes, I already read it and that's it. So I picked it up and she goes, don't tell your mom because it has sex in there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I read it, and to this day, it's the book is called Leopard in the Snow. I can't remember the the author's name, but it stay his it has stayed with me, and I think that point on because that's that was some really serious love scenes, <laughs> steamy love scenes in that in that book. You know, you're talking steam showers and. I think it was hot tub and I think a few of those places, but it was like, wow. So yeah, that, that book has stayed with me all through life so far. Oh, wow. Wow. Do you remember what it was about? Like the, the plot? The plot was, it was a race car driver and he got into an accident and, um, he, I don't know if he was not a hundred percent physically and he came back and uh, I guess his past love came and, you know, between the fighting and everything else, they ended up coming back together and stuff like that. I don't remember a whole bunch of it because right. it's been a long while, but um, yeah, that's, it was a, it was about a race car driver got into car, into an accident during the race, oh. he came home. He was not, he was, I think, I don't know. I don't know if he was um, fully, if you couldn't fully walk or whatever, and he couldn't get the grips of going back to normal life instead right. of a professional race car driver. So right. 
Right. And so it was like a second chance romance race car. Almost. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what do you remember? Like what year? I'm just sort of like curious what era it came from. It was, it was in the eighties. It was in the eighties. Early, early eighties. I want to say okay. it was like 81 or 82. Because I wasn't aware that they were writing that steamy back then. Oh, well, okay. You're talking to a 12, you know, 12, 13 year old kid at that point and anything dealing with boobs and, you know, body parts, you know, <laughs> it's pretty steamy, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, because I get now is probably no big deal. Okay. You know? But at the same time, you know, back then, you know, that was like, that was as wide open as you can get. Okay. Door. Okay. Because I know that I've, I have a couple of romances from that era that just, you know, pulled off of my grandmother's, you know, book, oh, yeah. bookshelf. And, Total bodice rippers. <laughs> and, um, and they were, you know, there was, there was, I guess one would call it titillation, but no, yeah. you know, but no action. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you, you know, you, like I said, I brought up the, the hot tub. But yeah, the hot tub's in there, but it doesn't really fully explain. But, you know, you get I had a good imagination even back then, so I could just only imagine what they were doing. You know, it's like, whoo! I think I want to write a closed door just to try it because I do think that there's something to it. You know, because even yes. when I think about the books back then, you know, it was it was everything was coded, right? Like it was yes. just there. It was just coded, and and in a way that was kind of fun to read. My, for like I said, my le the latest book I have out. It was, it's an open door, but it wasn't like, it wasn't going into great amount of detail. So right. it, I kind of glossed over the, the scene. Um, but yes, I mean, if I really sat down and I could write a straight up thriller, I have no problem doing it. Right. No right. problem doing it. Right. But I love a sex. I love a good sex. Scene. I know. Right. <laughs> It's kind of one of those things that is so hard to let go because I'm like, I'm just going to close the door. And then it's like, no, I don't want to. I want to keep going. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I want my characters to enjoy this. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I want to dig into Max and Luke's uh, scene. And this is from uh, your it's it's called it's four days. Is this part of a series now or is it a standalone? Well, I started off. It started off as a standalone as an anthology, right? Um, and then I decided to expand on it a little bit more on it and to publish it. Then um, I came up with an I got an idea because I'm part of another anthology. I'm like, and a couple of the readers said, you know, what about these secondary characters? I'm like, and the and Max's best friend is Jared. He's like, why not? He, why can't he have a story of himself? And I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. So this might end up being a a a series, a novella series. Oh, so okay. I've already finished book two of it, um, and it's and then book three, and that'll be coming out at around October. Okay, and then the third book will come out sometime next year i'm not quite sure okay. but it's all they're all part of a all part of an anthology okay so okay so each one of these books will be in an anthology they won't be sort of like sold on their own gotcha okay cool and then once yes and then i will expand i have expanded on it and then um 
with much more detail, um, like sex scenes and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, wait, I'm, I'm confused now. Let me back up a second. So Max okay. and Luke's story was in an anthology. Is that anthology out now? No, no, no longer. Okay. And so are you eventually, so is your idea to sort of publish these in anthologies and then wait a bit and then kind of like rewrite their stories or make them longer or more expansive and then publish them outside of the anthology? Correct. Correct. Okay, cool. Max and Luke was a part of an anthology of last year, or is it a year before? And um, then I expanded on on it and then published it outright by by myself. Okay. So that anthology is just no longer available. Correct. Correct. But Max and Luke are. Correct. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so um, I'm curious, what was the prompt for that anthology? Uh, either dancing or cancer. So, and of course, I picked the darker side of it, and so I went with the cancer. You went with the cancer. Yeah. So Max <laughs> had testicular, found out he had testicular cancer, and he's a little bit like, oh, stressed out and stuff. So his friend, Jared's like, you know what? Come away for the weekend before you have... He had he had uh, had to have surgery before he started up um, to get one of his testicles removed, and had before he started his chemo right. treatment. So his friend whisked him away up to Wisconsin because this is based out of Chicago. Okay, um, whisked him away to Wisconsin, up north towards Iron River, and spend you know four or five days away, just a bunch of boys, you know, hanging out, a bunch of guys hanging out and just relaxing, enjoying some fun and sun. And uh, that's where he meets Luke. Okay. So it was an inst- lust, instant lust. Got it. And they thought that it was just going to be the weekend. They thought it was only going to be the weekend. Okay. So um, what happens just before this scene? Because this is, this is their first experience together, I'm guessing. Yes, this is their first experience. They went through getting to know each other, talking and stuff in the, in the pool, and then they ended up um, going, they ended up having dinner, you know, through this whole time. Their, uh, one of their friends, actually Jared, was trying to cock block because knowing what was going to happen. And uh, so ended up they kind of like snuck away from dinner, and this is kind of what led them up there okay and uh, yeah now did jared car- cock block because max was sick and yes. yeah okay yes. all right we want max to get hurt if his heart you know got deeper into with luke and he he knows with he goes you know you, you got baggage son you know right, right. And nobody wants baggage so you know in his own right he you know he was trying to help him out he's trying so, to protect yeah. yeah so right before this scene you know, he comes up and I think explains that, that he was, he was uh, confronted by, Luke was confronted by uh, um, Jared. It's like, don't you hurt my friend, you know? Mm, okay, so, got it. And I guess, uh, and Max is waiting for Luke because I think it sounds like Luke might have ran to the store. Luke went downstairs oh, okay. in his room because Max never brought any um, accessories. Got it. Because, you know uh lubrication and condoms Condoms, right okay so so luke had them in his room luke had them he just happened to have them okay cool okay let's dig in okay as i lay in bed waiting for luke i reconsider what i'm doing 
even though my head is telling me this is stupid and that I'm already getting attached too fast, my heart is telling me to go for it. Luke promised me four days and I want them all and maybe more. No, I can't have more. When I'm battling the cancer growing inside me, I will remember this weekend and dream of the blissful days we had together. It's all I can have right now. Giving my dick a stroke, I let out a groan at the image of what pleasures Luke's body can bring me. How can one man I barely know take me out of my head and show me that I'm still whole? But that's what I want him to see. I'm still a man with all my functions in working order. This is how I want to enjoy and remember the time I have with Luke not worrying if my life will be, will soon be over. Okay. I, I kind of loved this opening and the dichotomy going on here of like sex and death. Yes. You know, I thought that was really, really sort of something. And I know you, you, you're drawn to the dark side. And I think, well, first of all, I think it's wild that the anthology prompt was like dance or cancer. I'm like, what? (laughs) That's a mix. Um, explain the um the event was authors and dancers against cancer oh event this event is all the proceeds for this event went to dancers that had cancer and uh, one reason or another either lost a limb or parts you know what i mean oh now that makes sense okay okay And was it male? Was it was it an anthology of male male, or, or it could be anything? It was. It could be anything. It could be anything. Okay, cool. Yes. So I guess so. You're drawn to dark, but I think that there is really something sort of to say. I think about this sort of dichotomy of sex and death. Yes. And you know, I mean, what is it like when you were writing it? I get. I don't know. I'm not. I'm having a hard time sort of like coming up with a question. I'm more having like. A feeling or impression, I guess. Like, where, what, what, what were you, what were you thinking about as you're trying to balance the two of like the mortality part with, I mean, you know, I don't know, rebirth. Like, I don't know, I don't know. Because he, with Max, he, when I was writing him, especially with this scene, he was still. Um, reeling the fact that he had cancer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um there was nothing anybody could say or do to change his mindset there's a good possibility that he could die even though the prognosis was good that he will survive and leave him lead a healthy normal life and this is coming from his doctor right um and he still had in his head that there's a good chance that he could die from this and on top of it, be right after this, you know, this weekend, he is going to be going and getting surgery. And part of who, who he defines as a man right. his testicle, um, is going to be removed. And uh, so losing a part of himself, having that emotion there, mm-hmm. it's still. And then at the same time, he finds this man who is just as much attracted to him as he is to, is to Luke. And to have this experience, it's just like an awe moment for him, you know? Right. So, yes, even though he's thinking of it, but at the same time, he wants to enjoy and absorb the life that he's having at that moment. So take life by the horns at the moment and just run with it. Right. I mean, it's kind of amazing that, you know, the idea of having testicular cancer and sort of like taking away something that felt, you know, 
was at the, like the core of his manhood, his feeling of the core of his manhood. I think that's really fascinating because it was, you know, you said sex and, and, you know, dancing cancer, and it could be any sort of cancer. It could have been lung cancer. It could have been right. Nod, Nod Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, testicular cancer is very, very specific. Exactly. And I, I took that um, and I kind of grabbed it from me because I had breast cancer. Okay. Six year, over six years ago. Okay. And I ended up having a double mastectomy. Okay. So, um, and there was a moment in that period that, you know, I did not have my breasts, you know, and that loss, you know, you really don't understand, you know, understand it unless you go through it. Yeah. And right. I use yeah. that emotion for Max. Right, right. Are you, you I'm assuming you're cancer free now? And I am cancer-free, well. six years. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Congratulations. And did you reconstruct? I'm sorry, I'm getting so personal, so no, tell no, me no, to no, step no. off. I'm able to talk about, yes, I end up doing reconstruction okay. surgery, and um, actually, probably next year, because I will not have time this year, I will have another reconstruction surgery to uh, make some corrections that the first surgeon um, made errors on. So. Oh. Yeah, I, oh. I I look at it as you know what this is another life experience. Walk around with Frankenstein boobs, it's okay. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I get you know it's really funny. I think that I don't know. I kind of think I take my boobs for granted. If this makes you know That's what I mean, what like to me, I'm sort of like it's an appendage that kind of gets in the way when I don't want it to, and yeah. you know they get sore around my period, and you yeah. know what I mean, and, and so yeah. I I I kind of imagine though that to lose them, yes, well, and it, and I'll actually it, it all started with I was in a car accident, mm. and um, I was at my chiropractor, and he's like, you know, and I I'm half Italian now, I told you, so. I had very big breasts, you know, I had, um, double D's, you know, pretty big. Okay. So, and my back wasn't, wasn't healing properly. He's like, well, maybe you're thinking of doing, you know, get breast reduction. Yeah. Like, that's a good idea. So I went to a surgeon and everything went through and I'm like, you know, you have to go for a mammogram just to make sure. And that's what they, then that's when they caught it. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes life gives you stuff like this, you know, gives you that accent just to turn around and show you something else. I'm still here, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm alive. And that's my biggest thing I, you know, I take away from this. Yeah. I might not have my breasts anymore. And these breasts, what I have right now might be Frankenstein. I have, I'm alive. You right. know, I'm here to see my kids grow. Right. You know? Right. I, I mean, I... I, I can't even imagine getting the diagnosis. I mean, I've had those sort of scares. Oh, you got to come back. You know, I always, right. I generally have to have two, you know, <laughs> two mammograms a year yeah. instead of one. Yeah. I'm the lucky yeah. one. Well, and that's what happened. And the first mammogram at, they, they did and they like, hold on one second. Um, then they end up doing a secondary mammogram um, and the same day. Wow. And that's when it's, and I was by myself, you know, I was, and walking out of that hospital, I was, I didn't know how to react of, at the news. Yeah. You know, I was, I think more of a daze. I drove home in kind of in a daze until I actually walked in the door and called my husband. And that's when I finally 
kind of broke down. And it's like, whoa, you know, that reality slap in the face. Yeah, because you just are, you're going in there as a routine before a reduction surgery and you're walking out with a cancer diagnosis. Exactly. Like exactly. it, like I can't even imagine that happening. Exactly. Exactly. And so like Max, was your prognosis sort of like, oh, we've caught it early enough. If we do this, this, and this, you have a whatever, very high percent chance of whatever, of a normal life, whatever, whatever. Exactly. He went in, he found a little bit of a lump, thought it was no big deal. Had a doctor came in, he was sitting there with his, with his brother thinking, he's like, everything's okay. Everything's okay. And then doctor's like, well, and he was all nice and cool. And he's like, oh, well, yes. You have cancer, but it's okay. But that's all he heard. That's Max is what, that's all he heard. And next thing you know, he's like, he passes out. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the poor oh, yeah. guy. The poor yeah. guy. Well, I mean, I think even when, I think first of all, you hear the word cancer and that is like an oh shit. Like yes. it just is. And, and yeah. even, even though, you know, treatments have come a long way. Yes. Um, there still is an oh shit moment. And it's such a, sneaky disease i'm sorry i just feel like it is you just never know what happened it is true and so and depending on the type of cancer you have yeah yeah so i mean i definitely would understand that sort of trepidation like i think i imagine you would sort of feel your mortality pretty pretty strongly until you get the complete all clear and even then i'm sure there's still a little bit of weariness Yes, yes, most definitely. Even in the back of my mind, even though I do not have breast tissue anymore, or, you know, and I don't have, um, you know, my diagnosis, uh, prognosis for my last uh, visit checkup was all clear. You still have it in the back of your head that, well, I might not have the breast, but it still could come back somewhere else. Right, like what else? So, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, my God. <laughs> okay, let's get back to sex. Stuff. <laughs> we're gonna let's get back to sex we're getting we're getting really dirty here i love it okay <laughs> jumping down a bit giving you guys some action he gives me a slight nod before returning his full attention to my dick then my ass um so they've had they've been sort of moving along and kind of mm-hmm. you know I, I believe there's been some oral sex going on there and all of that so anyway yes. Um, okay. He gives me a slight nod before returning his full attention to my dick and then my ass. Mouth, tongue, teeth, all the things I love about foreplay has me flying high and out of my head. Luke's mouth is absolutely magical. Luke, I groan, wanting something more, wanting Luke inside me. Luke, I'm going to come. Don't, Luke says, as he releases my ankles and slides me back on the bed. With both hands, he presses my thighs open. Patience. How can I be patient when his tongue trails up my straining cock, sucking the wet tip into his welcoming mouth as his finger is pushing into my ass? He's taking full control of my body, and I'm fucking loving it. I'm also grateful in this moment that I listened to Jared's suggestion and gotten a full wax before I came here. From my balls to my asshole, Luke's talented tongue is making a meal out of me. He spreads my cheeks wider and spears me deep with his tongue, wringing all the pleasure out of my body. With each stroke, with his tongue, I begin to move my hips with the rhythm he sets until he roots my, my cock down deep into his throat. I let out a low groan of ecstasy as the heady sensation has me ready to come, but I hold, but I hold back. Whew. So this is a very different way of having sex than I've read in romance. <laughs> 
first of all, I love that sort of like aside. Whoo, I'm glad I got the wax. Um, and, it was, and it was a little bit of a relief to sort of read that because I know like, you know, when you're having as a woman, your first encounter, it's kind of like, oh, did I grin? How's my line? Has I gone for, have I gone for that? Wax? Is a little out of control? Like, what, you know, right down to, oh God, I'm wearing my granny panties. You know what I mean? Like, what, you know? It's funny because one of, it's one of my friends. He's like, uh, did, did you have him do a full wax? I'm like, uh, should I put that in there? He's like, yes. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's how it got in there. <laughs> So now this is what I'm wondering, because like you've written very, very graphically about two men having sex. And so, I mean, what are your conversations like with your friends here? Because this is, I mean, I was like, this is very, very specific. This is very, uh, you know, because I think that there, I I never want to make the assumption that just because I've had sex with a man, I know how men have sex. Correct. Um, I think it's the, like the dynamics of him. I, I ask very straight up questions, so I don't hold nothing back when I ask my friends. And um, a, a few of them have been very straight up forward about the sex, certain sex scenes they have do, had, uh, certain sex that they have done, what, they, what it felt like, um, and the type of sex, you know, like, compared to like what hetero couples, what they go through on the norm. Mm-hmm. Granted, there are some very kinky hetero, se- you know, sex couples right. out there that does the same thing. But for a men, cause there's so much more, I don't want to use the word testosterone based, but you know, you got two male virile men there, you know, it's like, it's a lot more grittier aspects of it. So when I wrote, when I wrote the scene, and I had them read it. They's like, oh, my God, yes, this is it. So I was, like, really on point with, and they uh, they approved, so. Okay. All right. So this is just sort of, like, the result of, I guess, a lot of very open and honest conversations with your gay friends. Yes, most definitely. Okay. Oh, my God. I think you have to. I, you know, I'm very honest and open with my my other friends also, you know, my girlfriends, Um I don't, like I said, I don't hold nothing back. So if I have a question, I ask it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I guess. How weird it might be, I ask it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, okay, because I have, I have more questions about this, but I want to jump down and read this next bit because I think it kind of ties into the conversation. Okay. Okay. He continues to fuck, to fuck into me. The clawing rapture is hollowing me out with each driving stroke of his cock. I should say they are actually having penetrative sex now. He grabs my shoulders and angles his hips, repeatedly slamming into the very spot that has my desire burning me alive. I cry out in a greedy plea to not stop as I grip the sheets in my fisted hands. With each thrust, Luke rockets me through the stratosphere again and again. He hits me right on the point, savoring every single hard slide of his steely rod. I try to hold back from coming, but my good intention is slipping from me. So with your writing, like there is a real frenetic feeling that kind of matches what he's feeling, the sort of franticness of the act. Yes. Um, which I thought was really pretty cool. And yes, I felt, I really felt like there, there was a lot more grit here. Maybe a, a, it felt very masculine. It, there was a lot less sensuality, if that yes. makes sense. Yes. Um, and, and so I thought that that was really 
cool to read because it, it, it really did sort of make me go, okay, this is sex between two men. This is not sex between a man and a woman. Like it was very, very clear just in the writing style. Well, also this is their first time having sex. So Mm -hmm. it's like very gritty, you know, they wanted it. They were lusting after each other all day to all night. So when they finally got to it, it was just like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But there are some tender moments there in and later in the book, there are tender moments that they did slow down. It was more sensual because more emotions were right. implied to it. Right. Right. Because I'm just sort of like looking like there are so many words here that I thought, okay, like, yeah, I, it was, it was sort of, let, let me see if I, um, meaty rod. Yeah. Like meaty rod was one pissed in his body into me, slamming his hips against my ass you know, feeling how deep his cock is drilling into my prostate, you know, and that's driving like a euphoric bliss running rabid through my veins. It it was very, very masculine and very gritty. Um, Luke fucks me into oblivion. Yeah. Yeah, He sure did. (laughs) You know, body is demanding jerk to my dick. Like there was definitely a, a lot of testosterone in the language that you were using. Yes if that makes sense. So, yeah. and I'm guessing you don't, when you have these female scenes, even when they are male, female scenes, even when they are more frenetic, it, I imagine the language you're using is different. It is. Uh, yes. Yeah. A little bit different. There is more, uh, the feminine attributes to it. Right. Um, right. unless you know that they both, they both get into the heavy, fast pace, you know, straight up lust effect, but there's still that feminine aspects to it. Whereas in one of the two men, you know, you just like two, you know, two bulls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a really good point. Like, yeah, there's like two, there are two bulls going at it and there doesn't seem to be that sort of, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's sort of like, I hate to sort of break this down by gender, but it just, again, I feel like there is more of a sensuality for the uh, you know for when women have sex there that maybe isn't quite there with the men there there is there is a level of it yes yeah. i've read i've read um other male male romances that um in their sex scene has 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 more of the sensuality but um for me especially in this scene being that this is their first time, mm-hmm. I wanted that level of grit and that yeah. level of uh, the masculinity in their in their scene, saying that you know, getting it down and having that grit to it, yeah, versus that soft, sensual, the sensual feel to it. And I think words playing playing off on the words really really helps with that. Yeah. I think that it was really, it was really cool to sort of read all the different, you know, words that you were using, like slamming and, you know, stuff like that, plunging, plunges, yes. you know, <laughs> I was like, okay. I've used that word or two in, in the, you know, with that, with the hetero romance, but nowhere near how it is with uh, Max and with the gay romance. Yeah. I feel like the language we use a little bit is a little bit softer. Yes. Um, you know, when, when going through the, the, the sex acts between, you know, with women, um, it, on the page, but yes. anyway, this was a really great scene. Thank you for, for sending it over. You're quite welcome.
well. It was very, very cool. So, um, so what's coming up for you next? What do we have? You have, um, well, you just had recently, um, a book released dance of the morning cloak back in March, which is a, um, People, call, you know, you consider it a romantic suspense, but it's more of a a paranormal mystery with uh, romance added to it. And um, it's it I it was also part of an anthology, but it was a big anthology that um, I really wanted to work with this. And it's it's about um, Chase, this guy who was raising his uh, autistic sister came home from um, a weekend because he was a truck driver and he found her, found her murdered. Mm. So, and the only clue to the murder was a real estate card um, that was based out of a very small town called Dark Hollow Lake, Tennessee. So that kind of led him to that town and that town has some mystery to it, has some paranormal aspects of it and um and he that he has a lot more connection to that town than he realizes and who the actual murderer is is this Um, your first paranormal no my first paranormal is jane oh jane is um has forgetting jane is like a double entendre i could say the first first uh murder of this killer in the storyline his first victim is was named Jane, and so and then you have um, the you know uh, amnesiac victim Jane also, so that kind of plays the play on words on that that aspects. But she with a with a head injury, she is able to see spirits, able to see oh. them. Oh, and yeah. what's the paramount paranormal element in? Um... In Dance of the Morning Cloak, or is that a spoiler? Chase, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Chase, Chase is able to see auras, so he's able to see if somebody is actually telling the truth, you know, or lying by just the colors. Oh, cool! Liking in their auras, and he is developing a small sense of seeing, a uh, seeing. Uh, he's able to see one one particular ghost. Oh wow! That kind of periodically comes through, um, but yeah. So that's the that's the paranormal, and there is you know, you know, just certain things that happen in that in that town itself has a mysterious background. It's actually mm-hmm. based on a actual town in Tennessee back in the fifties, where back then you know with um, was it uh, Hoover not Hoover Dam, I forgot what dam that they were building down there. And they flooded. So all these small 100, 200, like, people town, they evacuate. And then they flooded the the valley of it. And this is one of the towns. Oh, wow. But they had to move. Um, so they were at the edge of this small lake that was kind of formed after all this. So, uh, yeah, so it has some mysterious history to it that's really cool yeah it sounds kind of creepy when you know that at the bottom of the lake there are all these old abandoned towns yeah. you know <laughs> exactly exactly you know the graveyards were probably the town graveyards were under are underneath there and you know like oh that's creepy right. that's and creepy. then certain characters they have some you know real oddity 
a person added personalities yeah. that you're just not sure if you if you actually met them in real life you're like okay <laughs> um so cj where um where do you live on the internet where's the best place for people to find you you could i love social media i love people to stalk me i am i am on facebook at you know uh, facebook.com at cj warren and then um i also i'm a big instagrammer so you could reach me at cj warrant but um the biggest aspects is if you want up-to-date information about my alma coven books and stuff is at cjwarren.com newsletter cool. so subscribe to my newsletter you get more information and more details about my upcoming stuff Awesome. Awesome. And the next one, um, the next one that's coming out in October is part of the. Actually, yes. The, the next book that's coming out, the the anthology uh, book that's coming out, which is, I have not technically come up with a name. Okay. It's going to probably kind of be, um, it is, um, James and Tim, which is a secondary character in book of uh, four days. Okay. All right, cool. And that is called, is the title of the story called One Kiss or is that the anthology? One Kiss, yes. And that'll be out in October. Yeah, sometime in October. I'm not sure on the date, but there will be another, a start of a new series. I have just, I have finished, like I said, book one and working on book two and three. Um, as of right now, but that's coming out. It's called Saint and Sinner series, and the first book is called Deacon. Oh, yes. nice! That it's backwoods uh, motorcycle racing, illegal motorcycle Ooh. racing. Whole bunch of good old boys and a lot of sexy females and wow, whole bunch of crazy! Wow, wow, <laughs> little. <laughs> A little adrenaline in that one. (laughs) And I will have links to all of your internet places um, in the show notes um, as well. So people should hopefully be able to just one click over and find you easily. CJ, thank you so much for doing this. It was a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you. I had a great time being here. It was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.